0: Amen. He washed it white as snow. We are pure in his eyes. Thanks be to God. Before I begin my message, I just want to provide a brief ministry update. Uh, as you know, we have been in this pastoral call process for some time now. You've been very patient, uh, but I believe that allowing the process to continue uh, gives God every opportunity to make his will known. And I want to just uh, mention that we have three Uh, candidates that are coming on site for on site interviews we had one come this past week we have another one coming this week and then next week the third gentleman will arrive for interviews and I just ask that you keep this uh, whole process in your prayers uh, and that ask that God would make it clear as to whom he has in mind to serve as our next senior pastor let's pray Lord Jesus, you are indeed our good shepherd, and teach us what it means that you are in the business of seeking the lost. In your name we pray, amen. God's peace to you, friends. Let me again wish you all a very happy and blessed Mother's Day. Thank you, moms, not only for what you do, but for who you are who you are in giving of yourselves so much for the sake of your families and others around you. You know, I think it's probably true that every mother knows that feeling of when they're with their child somewhere, and they just happen to look away for a minute, and they look back, and the child isn't there. You know that feeling, that sudden anxiety, that almost panic feeling that sets in, and And then your mothering nature kicks in and you go all out to find your child, right? Absolutely. Have you ever been that child who got separated from your parents? That's a little scary. Just about a week and a half ago, my wife and I were shopping at Walmart and we were in this aisle and there's no one else in the aisle except a little boy, had to be not even two years old walking down the aisle by himself and he's looking down he's carrying a toy looking at his toy walking slowly and then that moment happened where he looked up and you just see it on his face he didn't know where his mother was panic started to set in and my wife and I see this we see the look on his face and he just cries out mama and my wife who is a teacher of two year olds in our preschool (laughs) very compassionate sees what's going on, and walks this little boy around to the next aisle, and sure enough, that's where his mother was, and he ran to her and was so happy to be found again. Yeah, that's quite a moment, isn't it? That moment when you're separated, that moment when you feel lost. There are certain chapters in the Bible that are kind of known for their particular themes, you know, for example, 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 15 we often refer to as the resurrection chapter, talking about our rising from the dead on the last day. Well, Luke chapter 15 could be called the chapter of lost things because it includes three of Jesus' parables about lost things. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Or the latter is commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son, right? We all know that one. In that particular parable, you remember the story where the younger of two sons asks his father for his portion of the inheritance which was basically his way of saying, Dad, I wish you were dead now. Give me what is mine. And he selfishly takes his inheritance and goes off and wastes it on foolish and wild living. He ends up with nothing. Recognizing his wretchedness, he returns humbly to his father. And what does his father do? He rejoices that his son is home. He welcomes him. He throws a party for the lost was found. And in the story of the lost coin, we have a woman who misplaces a very valuable coin somewhere in her house. It was a coin that was worth a whole year's wage. And she searches and searches her house to find this coin. And finally, when she finds it, she calls her friends and says, let's have a party. I found my missing coin. Today, we're going to focus on the other one, the parable of the lost sheep. But before we examine that parable, I think it's important to first understand why Jesus tells it in the first place. The context of Jesus' teachings is very important. So we get the context for these parables in the first three verses of the text. It says, now the tax collectors and, quote, sinners were all gathering around to hear him, that is to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable, and he goes into the story. The context is so important in order to understand the meaning of the parables. Now, we need to understand, this isn't the first time that Jesus was criticized for associating with tax collectors and supposed sinners, tax collectors were looked down on because they generally ripped people off, and public sinners, uh, it could take a whole, whole variety of, uh, of manifestations. But this isn't the first time he gets this. You may recall that Matthew, one of Jesus' original 12 disciples, had been a tax collector himself originally. And when Jesus called Matthew to follow him, what did Matthew do? he threw a party in Jesus' honor to which he invited other tax collectors and some other friends who evidently had a reputation of sorts. That didn't bother Jesus at all. He partied with them. But a group of Pharisees got rather bent out of shape that Jesus would associate with such people. How could a rabbi spend time with those people? After all, by hanging around with them and eating with them, isn't he condoning their bad behavior? He really shouldn't associate with them, you know. Jesus then addressed the Pharisees' concerns by saying, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So now we fast forward about 18 months in Jesus' ministry to today's text in Luke chapter 15. Listen to the context again. This is important. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. All right, hold on to that thought. We are in this sermon series where we're looking at a number of, of Jesus' parables, and the series is entitled Living the Decluttered Life. How true it is that our lives can become so easily cluttered in a variety of ways. You know, they become cluttered physically, they become cluttered emotionally, relationally. And so on. Well, sometimes, friends, our thinking can become cluttered, even in our spiritual lives. And this was the case with these Pharisees and scribes, these these experts in the law. Let's understand who these people are. These are very religious people. The Pharisees were looked up to by the common populace as very religious people leaders in the religious community. The problem was that their minds were so cluttered with their man-made rules and their self-righteous attitudes that they just couldn't even comprehend the idea of Jesus associating with tax collectors and other such sordid, undesirable characters. How could he do that? Their mind was too cluttered with all this other stuff. Did you catch how Luke described the Pharisees? He said, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I like to think of it this way. Their minds were so cluttered, they muttered. Let me ask the question. Has cluttering led to muttering In your life? It's something that we need to guard against today in our day and age too, friends. Our cluttered thinking can lead to our muttering about those people. The error of the Pharisees, you see, was their exclusiveness. They assumed that Jesus was condoning the people's sinful lifestyles by associating with them. They just couldn't comprehend his true purpose. That was to help lead misguided people into a much better way of living, into a life of fullness, a life of abundance in himself. And so they muttered. The story from Jesus' ministry, I believe, is a warning against the attitude that would exclude certain people from hearing the gospel. I mean, let's state it clearly. Everyone needs to hear the message about Jesus and his love for them. Everyone needs the Savior. And it's in this context that Jesus then tells these three parables in Luke 15. So today we're just going to focus on the one, the parable of the lost sheep. We read, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Okay, let's let's flesh out this story a little more. Notice Jesus says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. By saying one of you, he makes it personal, doesn't he? He invites each one of us to see ourselves in this story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep. And as the story goes, one of those sheep gets lost. Sheep have a way of doing that, you know. They, they have a way of just putting their noses to the ground and, and wandering as they graze, and suddenly they can be very easily lost. So in our story, one sheep gets lost. Jesus then asks the question, does he, that is the shepherd, does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And of course, the implied answer is yes. Yes, of course he does that. A good shepherd will search and search and search for that lost sheep. Why? Because each one matters. And also because he knows that that sheep is in grave danger out there all by itself. First of all, if it were to trip and fall and roll onto its back with its feet in the air, it would not be able to right itself and it would die very soon. Secondly, a good shepherd knows that there are any number of predators out there who would love to make that sheep its meal for the day. And so, he seeks it. Of course, he goes after that lost sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Jesus continues with the parable. Then, he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Now, after finishing the parable... Jesus then makes his point abundantly clear. Here's what he's trying to communicate by telling this little story. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And the 99 being those who think they don't need to repent. That comment, of course, he directed right at the Pharisees and their attitudes. Friends, just think about it. Just think. The angels throw a party in heaven every time one lost person is found and brought to safety in Jesus. A party for every one that is found. Now, my question is, who is the one? Who is the one? Well, first of all, friend, the one is you. The one is you. It's every one of us. Isaiah said, we all like sheep have gone astray, every one unto his own way. But the Lord has laid on him that as on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Who is the one? You. And the greatest shepherd ever, went to amazing lengths to seek you out and bring you to safety. It's his rescue story. Some of you met my brother Dean back in February as he came and spoke to our men's group on a Saturday morning. Uh, My brother Dean for many years uh, served on a search and rescue team in the mountains of California, the eastern Sierra Nevadas, which are quite treacherous. And over his many years, he was involved in quite a few rescue experiences where people had gotten themselves either lost in the back country or injured, unable to get themselves out. He sought them. He rescued them. Brought him great fulfillment. Friends, now just consider what Jesus did to rescue you. He left the comforts of heaven To enter into your world with all of its mess, that's what Christmas is all about. It's God's greatest rescue story. And then he sacrificed his own life in order to save yours. That's what Good Friday is all about. It's all part of the greatest rescue story. And then by rising from the dead, you see, he defeated the power of death itself giving you the assurance that through faith in Jesus as your Savior, you too shall rise from the dead on the last day. That's what Easter is all about. You talk about an amazing rescue story. This is the greatest one ever. So who is the one? First, you are the one. Jesus did it for you. But there's another answer to that question, who is the one? Who is the one? It's that person who does not yet know Jesus. It's the one who still needs to be rescued out there. It's the one who is still missing from the kingdom of God, the one who is lost, the one who really doesn't know the path forward. It's the tax collector or sinner of our day and age who needs the opportunity to meet Jesus and be brought into safety. As you know, the mission statement here at Shepherd of the Desert Lutheran Church and School is leading people to follow Jesus. Our entire purpose for existing here as a congregation Is to lead those wandering sheep to the Good Shepherd who will take them home. Today, by the way, is not only Mother's Day. Today is also known as Good Shepherd Sunday in the Christian church year. Good Shepherd Sunday. That's a good Sunday to celebrate here at Shepherd of the Desert. You know, when you look at our stained glass windows, they're all about the Shepherd, aren't they? Starting over on this side and continuing on this side, these windows all communicate themes from the 23rd Psalm where it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not lack anything. I have everything I need, for the Lord shepherds me all the way. And the windows above the chancel here reflect the the words of Jesus in John chapter 10 when he says of himself, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And this one in particular is where Jesus says, there are other sheep not of this sheep pen and I must bring them home with me too. The good shepherd is all about seeking the lost sheep. These windows, you see, are a constant reminder to us that Jesus, the good shepherd, is still in the business of seeking lost sheep. And he uses us, you and me, his church, his people, to go out and find them. Remember, a sheep that is lost is in grave danger. And it's true of people, too. There is an enemy far worse than wolves, Satan the evil one who prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, seeking someone to drag into hell with him. People are in grave danger today. They need rescuing. Let me ask you, whom do you know that is out there in the desert out there wandering, maybe all alone, in harm's way, in need of a friend, in need of Jesus? Whom do you know? And maybe more importantly, what will you do this week to help lead that person to safety? It's true, our lives sure can get busy and cluttered, right? We can get so busy to the point that our schedules become cluttered with all these different obligations, so many, that we leave very little time for what really, really matters. But living the decluttered life, you see, includes making people a priority, making people a priority over things. Moms, thank you. Thank you for making people a priority especially the people in your own family whom you love. But friends, let's all make people a priority, especially lost, lonely, missing people. You know, I think the angels in heaven are eagerly waiting to throw a party. So let's give them many, many more reasons to celebrate Amen. May the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your good shepherd. Amen.